0: Said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do you hear also in your hometown? From the Gospel of Saint Luke, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Why doesn't Jesus heal? I'm wondering if that's a question you're asking this morning. You're thinking to yourself, maybe. Last week we heard the passage from Luke's Gospel immediately before uh, our reading this morning, and Jesus got up in the synagogue and read from the prophet Isaiah. He announced his ministry would be to bring good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives, and sight to the blind to let the oppressed go free and to enact the Jubilee of God. Jesus declared that he had come to bring healing to God's people. But now, when the people of Nazareth ask Jesus to perform his healing deeds, which they've heard about, uh, spoken by the people of Capernaum, Jesus refuses. He walks away, leaving nothing for his hometown, the people he grew up with, the ones who know him well. So any reasonable reader of Luke's gospel is right to now ask, why doesn't Jesus heal? Some of you are asking that question this morning because you're careful and attentive readers of the scriptures, but others have been asking that question in a slightly different way and for slightly different reasons for a much longer time because you have been hurting from sickness, From physical pain, from loss, from debt, from loneliness, or from broken relationships, restrained marriages, or family antagonisms, from abandonment, or betrayal, or uncertainty. And you've been desperately hoping for healing, for alleviation, for restoration, and repair, but nothing comes. And it feels like your prayers are just bouncing back off the ceiling, You've perhaps even started to wonder whether it's worth it to even hope for healing anymore, whether that might even be a responsible thing to hope for. You're tempted toward either resentment or despair in the face of seemingly endless pain. And you're wondering if Jesus has simply walked out, shaken the dust off his feet, left town, just like he did Nazareth. And so you find yourself faced with the same question. Why doesn't Jesus heal? In our reading from St. Luke's, Luke's Gospel this morning, we confront a controversy over what it means for Jesus to heal. Where, whom, how, and under what conditions. The dispute, it's all wrapped up and circling around these cryptic statements that Jesus makes which cause his, re- his listeners to respond with hostility, so much so as to attempt to throw him off a cliff. Perhaps the most famous being this one, physician, heal thyself. At the center of this Nazareth scene in Luke's gospel is a conflict over what it means for Jesus to heal. Why doesn't Jesus heal? Well, we pick up in Luke's gospel at exactly the point we left off last Sunday. Jesus has arrived, In his hometown, stories have been circling about his travels and his healings and his miracles about who this man might be. He goes into the synagogue to teach, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah about all of the promises of the coming Messiah's deliverance and liberation and healing. The room is filled with anticipation at this up-and-coming religious teacher who now moves to Preach to give his sermon on the text. Only what follows is not so much a sermon as it is a mic drop of sorts. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. That's it. Jesus is saying, I am here. I am the healing and salvation spoken of long ago in which you've been waiting for, and that's all there is to say right now. The Greek is actually emphatic. Today, this is being fulfilled. Salvation has come this day. Healing has come today. The inbreaking of God's kingdom has come today. And then, as if this were a kind of well-crafted TV sitcom, the lectionary cuts to a commercial break right at this climactic moment. Last Sunday, our gospel reading ended at this peak dramatic moment. I'm sure you spent the whole last week anxiously awaiting to find out how this all unfolds and resolves. Okay, well the commercials have ended, fade back into this synagogue scene right where we left off. The crowd is looking around, whispering, wondering, speculating about what all this could mean. Excitement fills the air. All spoke well of him, Luke says. This is the one we've been waiting for, the crowd thinks. Longing and expectation have now turned to eager anticipation. Until someone just kind of blurts out, is this not Joseph's son? It's not a stretch to think that Joseph might have in fact been in the audience. This is a small rural town in the middle of nowhere. Everyone knows each other. And like most small towns, everyone is always in everyone else's business, which is why the crowd asked the question, isn't this the kid who grew up down the street? You know, worked with Joseph at that father and son carpentry business. They built your front porch, didn't they, John? They built Margaret's dining room table. That Jesus, the son of Joseph, is that really who the Messiah is? This nobody from nowheresville? Perhaps the people thought as much of their own town as Nathaniel did when he asked in St. John's Gospel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The crowd is surprised at all of this, but we soon see that's not all that's going on here. This is more than simply excitement and enthusiasm over the fact that the Messiah is our boy, a hometown hero, because we soon find out that the crowd is actually maybe more interested in the privileges and advantages that might come with this fact than with Jesus himself. If the Messiah is our guy, a Nazarene, the crowd reasons, well, this bodes well for Nazareth. Preference must be given to us, right? We're entitled first and foremost to the benefits of his successes. We Nazarenes produce this guy they seem to think, so we'll get a big return on our investment, and this might finally put Nazareth on the map, at which point Jesus speaks out loud what's in the collective mind of the crowd. Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, he says, physician, heal thyself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here also in your own country, your hometown. Physician, heal thyself. This was a well-known maxim of antiquity. It meant something like, one must not benefit others while refusing the same benefits to one's own people. In other words, the saying expresses a presumption of special favor based on insider status. It meant that for Jesus' listeners, healing was going to come by right, not by grace. Jesus is obligated to give us this salvation. We know about what he did in Capernaum, so whatever we've got coming is going to be even better. It's not difficult to see the problem with what Jesus' hearers are asking because they are not asking at all. The grammar gives it all away. Do hear what you did at Capernaum. It's not a request, it's an order. But you don't tell the Son of God what to do You don't demand healing. Jesus' Nazareth audience reveals a profound possessiveness and entitlement as if he were coming to take their order off a kind of salvation menu. They wanna own Jesus, determine his terms and conditions, a sin that we are all too guilty of too. In fact, we might do well, I think, to inspect our prayers and ask how many of our petitions actually look more like, do hear what you did in Capernaum. But the Nazarene's entitlement is rooted in an even deeper problem, resentment that Jesus has taken God's favor and salvation first to others outside of Nazareth, especially Capernaum, which possessed a high pagan population. You see, it's the Jonah story all over again. God is always going to the outsiders, the Ninevahs, the Capernaums of the world, showing favor to the undeserving. It's the theme of Jesus' ministry. Healing is always going out to the margins, leaving those at the center who believe themselves most deserving, frustrated, and angry. This is why Jesus says, no prophet is acceptable in his own country, in his hometown. If Jesus... Were a doctor, that would be one thing. People might be forgiven for approaching Jesus like a kind of vending machine. But Jesus is not a physician or not just a physician, he's a prophet physician. And prophet doctors have a different kind of practice than your standard ones. They don't sit in offices waiting for those with proper insurance to come in to be treated. They go out to the least deserving, to the ones unencumbered by, the pres- by presumption, because they're so outside the dynamics and expectations of the in group that they couldn't even possibly think to demand God's healing as a kind of entitlement. And we know this because of the two examples that Jesus gives from the Hebrew scriptures. Elijah is sent to a woman, a non-Israelite, a widow, a person of low status. Elisha is sent to Assyrian, a man with leprosy, and so a man doubly positioned as an outsider to God's people. The former becomes a paradigm of healing because she is the lowly, the poor, the desperate outsider who surrenders all in faith, even at the verge of death, and abandons herself to God's care. And the latter, remember Naaman, the powerful military commander who can only receive the prophet's healing of his leprosy once he gives up his pride, gives up the terms on which he asked Elisha for healing, and humbles himself before the prophet in obedience. This is the healing ministry that Jesus is about. It's about finding the humbled and the lowly and raising them up. As Mary's song says, he hath put down the mighty and exalted the humble and the meek. Here's Jesus' point in all of this. Jesus has not rejected Nazareth and thus refused to bring healing. Nazareth has rejected Jesus because the healing that he offers is not on their terms. So, why doesn't Jesus heal? I think for some of us, we're not so different from Nazareth, which is to say, sometimes we don't receive the healing that we ask for, not because God refuses to give it, but because we refuse to receive it. Sometimes God gives us healing, but we don't like the form the healing takes. We want to be healed on our own terms. We have a specific vision of what it might mean for us to be healed, and it's not what God is giving us. And so our pride, or our comfort, or our life plans, or our prejudices, or our stubbornness keeps us from receiving the healing and wholeness that God offers us. Maybe the way that God wants to heal a broken relationship of yours actually begins with you admitting your faults and in humility, making the first move for forgiveness. Maybe the way God wants to heal your addiction or your sinful habit is through a form of accountability that might be profoundly uncomfortable and which you're resisting. Maybe the way God wants to heal your loneliness is through an unexpected, even undesirable friendship with someone you find irritating. I've heard this happening before. (laughs) Maybe God wants to heal your sorrow through a community that you've been afraid of or reluctant toward. Maybe. For some of us, we've been praying for healing and the healing has already come. We just turn away from the remedy because it's not the one we wanted or expected. Friends, here's the thing. That's exactly what grace is. Grace is the gift we couldn't have dreamed to ask for. It's the salvation we didn't even desire. It's the healing we didn't even know we needed, but nevertheless, the surprise, we come to find that we were desperate for the whole time. So for some of us this morning, who find ourselves in need of grace before we can even receive healing, I wanna say, let us approach this altar having relinquished our pride, our presumption, our possessiveness, our do here in Nazareth demands, so that we can actually receive Christ's transforming grace with openness and humility. Let us pray for healing as a grace, in other words. Some of us here this morning, we've been praying for healing and refusing to accept it. We're not too dissimilar from those at Nazareth, But there are also some of us here this morning who have been praying for healing, some for a while now, and it just is not coming. In fact, there are several folks for whom I know this to be true because I've been praying with and for you for a long time now and the healing just isn't coming and I'm almost as frustrated as you are. And every prayer just gets harder and more painful to make because it seems like healing is so far out of sight. And I want you to know that Jesus has a word of hope also for you this morning. It's actually how Jesus answers that provocation, physician heal thyself. Because here's the thing, Jesus does not heal himself. Jesus chooses the cross instead. And it's exactly because Jesus did not heal himself that he saves us. Remember that they mocked him on the cross saying he saved others, but he cannot save himself. It's not quite right. He saved others because he did not save himself. This is what Jesus always gives us. He gives us himself. Because the great physician could have healed himself, but he chose us instead. And even more than that, the death that he chose instead of healing, it was vindicated by his resurrection. And so that establishes the ground of our hope for healing that we too will share with him in a resurrection like his. This is the ultimate healing, the death of death death itself. Jesus, in other words, may not always give healing, but he always gives us himself. He may not always heal us, but he always saves us. So we pray, we pray for healing in patience, in humility, in trust, in the certain hope of resurrection. And sometimes God will give us healing and sometimes God will not, but he will always give us grace and he will always give us salvation because he will always give us himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.